joining us for our time of worship and to be able to celebrate all of these uh, little ones. Uh, if you looked and so thought, you know, I, some of those people I don't know, they all sit behind the glass back there. Uh, we have an area uh, that's our little cry area. It's an area for our uh, younger children, families with, uh, with young kids. And, and we have some of our families who've been sitting back there for like 12 years. I mean, uh, you know, if, you, if you're looking for the Robertson family, they're probably back there. They've just, uh, they've got their own pew that's there right by the Webbs. I think they're back there today. Hello, Webbs. Good to see you guys. Oh, it's great to be able to see these little ones and to watch them grow up. And I appreciate uh, Mark mentioning how that for uh, this last year we have had uh, some of those that were recognized with their families uh, baptized into Christ, and we've been able to celebrate that and, and see them on their journey. And so many of you have been able to walk alongside their parents in uh, the children's ministry that we have here, in our student ministry. You have been teachers, you have been mentors, you have gone on retreats, you have welcomed people into your homes, and it's because of, of your influence as well. It's because of, of you demonstrating the life of Christ so that these young people can see it lived out, not just in their parents, but in others who say this is important and this is something that is life-changing that we are able then to rejoice when, when young men and women say, I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe He is the Son of God, and I want Him as my Savior. We're going to be able to celebrate that in a few minutes. Caden, I'm going to steal your thunder. Uh, Caden Parker is going to be baptized uh, here uh, this morning in a few minutes, and we're going to uh, rejoice and uh, celebrate, and it's something that uh, this family's been looking forward to, Caden's been looking forward to, and we're going to enjoy being able to, to be with him and to celebrate. Uh, before that, I want to, want to walk through something that is a very touchy subject these days. We're in a series that's called Shout, as you see here, and it's a series that we are going through because I truly believe that as followers of Jesus Christ, we should live victoriously. We should live understanding that the battle has truly been won, and because of that, there should be welling up within us this swell of emotion, this swell of just energy where we are excited about the life that we have to live and the example that we have to set, the way in which we have been called out by God to live as an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And so what we've done, we've walked through a story that is very familiar to young and old alike. You can find it in your Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And one of the key passages that we've looked at, you're going to see here up on the screen, it's later on in the, in the story of David and Goliath. After David has been victorious and the giant has fallen, and, and you notice it says, then the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout, woo, of triumph. And I just scared half the people that were sitting right over here. Right? I, I, just, I just got some of you that haven't been here recently, right? Um, uh, they give a great shout of triumph, and it says they rushed after the Philistines because their champion had won. Now, earlier in the story, you read how that the, these same men, that they were terrified, they were quaking in fear, 
But after their champion was victorious, everything changed. Their attitude changed. Their purpose changed. And their action changed. And one of the things that we've been discovering over the last few weeks is that there should be a change in our lives as well when we understand that our champion has been victorious. And it is our responsibility then to believe in our champion. It says in 1 John 3 and verse 8 that the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And either you believe that or you do not. And if you do believe that, then it should create a change in the way that you live your life. Because you understand that there is no giant that can stand before you. There is no giant that can intimidate you. There is no giant that can call you out onto the battlefield and be victorious over you because the Son of God appeared and destroyed the devil's work. And the power that these giants have are only in our mind. And the only power that they possess is the power that we give over to them because the evil that stands behind them and the work that the devil has been trying to do was destroyed by Christ at Calvary. And so because of that, we are a redeemed people and we are a changed people. And so we walk into the classroom confident about the life that we are going to be able to live. And I know that our young people, whenever we start going back to school, there's always this talk of, of peer pressure. And there's always this talk about, you know, are the young people going to be able to, to, to keep on with their faith and, and they're going to be able to follow through? And I appreciate what Aaron said about dropping sons off in, at college and taking children and seeing them as they go off into the military, as they leave home and say, this is what I desire. I want them to be faithful. And there's always this concern about this idea of peer pressure. But here's what I've decided. The greatest pressure that anyone should have is the pressure that comes from the children of God to come to God. That the children of God come together and the life that they live is so amazing. It is so impactful that others say, I just don't know what it is, but I want to be like them. I want to speak like them. I, I want to have the focus that they have. I, I want to have the life that they have. That's the pressure. Oftentimes we think of peer pressure in the negative. But I've decided it should be something that is positive, at least for the child of God. For when we walk into the office place, people know there is a Christian who works beside me. When we're on the ball field, people know there's a Christian that sits in that dugout. There's a Christian that coaches this team. There is a Christian that eats in this restaurant. There is a Christian that lives next door to me. There is a follower of Christ who is present in my life. And that influence and that pressure is so great that others say, that's what I want. And that's what I want to have. And that's what I want to be. Woo! Shout of triumph because the giant has fallen. And our life has then changed. If you believe in your champion. So I want us to look back again at this passage in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And here's the verse I want us to see. David, when he hears the challenge of Goliath, says, who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? 
And you can see as he is processing everything that's happening that there is something welling up inside of him that is causing great emotion because he has heard the defiance, he has seen the fear around him, and it wells up within him what I'm going to call a righteous anger. Where he says, who, who does this guy think he is? Who is this guy that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And I think David shows us something that we have all been struggling with over the last week. There are times when anger is warranted. There are times when anger is warranted. Jesus in Mark 11 goes into the temple area and he sees that the court of the Gentiles, an area where non-Israelites could come and offer sacrifice and prayer, that that area had been turned into a place of thievery. It, it had been taken over by those who were selling animals that would be sacrificed, that were exchanging money because of the different rules that were there at the temple. It could have been done at another place, but they decided that they would take the area that the Gentiles would use because after all, they were those pagan people. And Jesus goes to the temple area and he sees that there are people created in the image of God that aren't allowed to approach the throne of God. Because there are others who are standing in their way as a roadblock. And you, when you read this particular story, no matter the gospel that you choose, you cannot help but see the fire and the passion that burns within him. In fact, after he goes and turns over the tables and he scatters those who are in this area, the disciples, it says, remember that it was foretold that zeal would overcome him, passion he would have for the house of the Lord. There was an anger that he had, and that anger was warranted. Because when the people who are created by God, and when the principles that are put in place by God, and when the very person of God is defied, then there should be an anger that boils up within the people of God. And so when you see things happen, such as those events that took place last weekend in Virginia, when you see where there are groups that try to put themselves over others and say that there are, are certain classes of people or races of people that are not valid, that are inappropriate, that are not allowed, then there should be a welling up of anger within the people of God because someone who was created by God has been told, you have no value. And the people of God should rise up and say, that is a lie. And be able to call it for what it is, sin. When the principles that are put in place by God are defined. When you see that marriage is made a mockery by heterosexual and homosexual alike. Then there should be an, an anger that boils up within the people of God. 
where we say, it's not right. It's not to be this way. When we hear of the unborn having their life taken before they're ever able to draw a breath, there should be an anger that boils up within the people of God and we call it for what it is and say sin is sin. Because there are times when anger is warranted. When people who are created by God and the principles that were put in place by God and the very person of God is defied. And so when we hear of times where God's name is used in, in mockery and curse, when we see there are times when people want to refuse His very existence and defy the very life that Christ lived then there should be an anger that boils up inside the people of God because our champion is being talked about. Our champion is being disparaged. The one who died for me is being mocked. The one who said, I will take his place. I will go to the mat for her. I will stand up to Satan for them is being laughed at. And the people of God should rise up in righteous indignation and say, we will not stand for our God to be talked about that way. Because there are times when anger is warranted. And here's something else we need to remember. There are also times when anger becomes a giant. Anger becomes a giant and it stalks out in front of us and begins to control us. I like the wording there in Psalm 4 and verse 4, don't, let, don't sin by letting your anger control you. Some of us are more hot-blooded than others. Some of you redheads know what I'm talking about. Some of you understand and... You say, you know what, I'm just like my mom or I'm just like my dad. And you understand what it means to, to boil with anger. And there are some times that you just get angry for no reason. Right? There, there are times that, that you get angry for no reason at all because you thought somebody said something or you thought somebody did something and all of a sudden it just boils up within you. And that giant comes out and, and stalks and begins to take control. And you're not, able to, you're not able to process. You're not able to think clearly. And you know what it is for the giant to take control in your life and to take over the things that you say, to take over the way in which you, you vent your frustrations. And so I, I just made a list here of things that, that oftentimes we become angry about. And it's a list that the giant comes and holds over us. Someone abandoned you and you're angry. Someone wasn't interested in you and you're still angry. Someone picked somebody or something else over you. Someone abused you. Somebody that you cared about was emotionally unavailable. A family member left and you're angry. Your husband cheated. Your wife cheated. You're angry because someone else's kids get your parents' attention. You're angry because there's someone who is too busy for you. 
You're angry because you were not cared for at a time of great need. You're angry because people that you care about just won't face the facts. You're angry because she's too aggressive or he's too passive. You're angry because they embarrass you all the time. You're angry because they're gone all the time. You're angry at another company because they hurt the business that you have. You're angry at the place where your family works because they take so much time for your mom and dad. You're angry with God because someone that you love died in an accident. You're angry because you didn't get to say goodbye. You're angry because you have a son or daughter who's ignoring the truth and wasting his or her life. You're angry because of the stress that's been placed on you. You're angry because of the nagging. You're angry because of the ignoring. You're angry because of the hurtful things that a person has called you. You're angry because of the things that have never been said to you. You're angry because of things done by spiritual leaders. You're angry just because. And we always like to think that our anger is righteous anger. Something about conflict, something about when, when there's pressure, we always think that our anger is the righteous anger. That the way in which we feel is the right way to feel. And so as I went through that list, if I said something that hit close to you, maybe you say, that's right, you better believe I'm angry. And I'm justified in my anger. Be careful. Because the giant could be controlling you. Controlling the way you think, controlling the way you talk, controlling your very actions. Here's another thing I want you to see about this idea. You got to stop blaming the giant for your responses. Never pay back evil with more evil. Sometimes we think that because we feel justified due to the fact that somebody else has hurt us, that we can respond in any way that we want. We can say anything we want. We can do anything that we want. We can injure. We can curse. And it's all justified and it's all okay because she made me and and he did this and, and this is what they deserve. But you cannot blame the giant for your response. You and you alone are responsible for your own behavior. And when your behavior steps out from what God has said is acceptable, then it's not the giant who is at fault, but it's you. It's me. When I decide to fight evil with evil, when I decide that it's okay because you have done something bad, and you hold a bad position, you voted for the wrong person, you are part of the wrong party, you stand on the wrong side, then because of that, I can say and I can do anything. God says, you know what? You're in the wrong. Because you're blaming your giant for the sin that is present in your own life. Consider this passage. 
Paul would write to Christians and say, listen, now's the time. Now's the time to get rid of anger and rage and malice, slander, dirty language. He writes to God's people and he says this. He's not writing to those outside the church. He's writing to the church. And he's saying, listen, if you're sitting in the pew and your anger is boiling over at another, if your behavior is getting such where you're harming others, if you are going about and getting on social media and you are calling out other people and saying things that are slanderous, if you are using language that not only would make a sailor blush, but would make your mama cry, he says, then stop it. And stop using him, God, for justification. Get rid of it. Instead, do this. Another passage of Scripture. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. It doesn't. You say, but Chris, you said earlier that sometimes it's okay to be angry. Yes. And we are told in our anger not to sin. That we can have an anger that boils within us. But it's the way in which that anger makes us act. It's the response that we have. The language again that we use. The attitudes that we have. Those are the sins that begin to come out. And oftentimes the anger that boils up, we handle it in all the wrong ways. And we don't accomplish the righteousness of God. And more often than not, we do more harm than we do good. And so what's the answer to this? I want you to consider this next idea. You don't have to fight fair. You don't have to fight fair. Let me explain what I mean by that. When David went down to take on Goliath, he went down representing the armies of God. He was the champion. But Goliath expected there to be this hand-to-hand combat. And, and in ancient times in armies, you had those who were part of the cavalry, you had those who were part of the infantry, and you were, had those who were a part of the projectiles. They, they shot arrows, they, they had slingshots, and they, they hurled things at the enemy armies. And there's actually history that shows that a good slinger could take down someone from 200 yards away. And so when David walked down into this fight area, and he goes down with those stones, and he's being criticized by the giant for being so small and and weak, and he's being laughed at, the thing is, he actually has the advantage because he's not going down to fight fair. He's going down to win. And so, as you see things in this world that make you angry, as you see those things that we mentioned earlier that boil up a righteous anger within you, or as things happen in your life that maybe an unrighteous anger begins to boil up, don't fight fair. Don't fight evil with evil. Instead, listen to the words from Romans chapter 12. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Live in harmony with each other. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do all that you can to live at peace with one another. Never take revenge. If your enemy is hungry, feed them. 
If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Don't fight fair. The world expects you, when you become angry, to lash out. Those who would stand against you try to get your goat, try to push all of your buttons, try to make you lose control, try to make you be able to step out of what it is that you say, this is what I stand for. But you don't have to fight in the way that they do. You don't have to play their game. Instead, when the enemy comes and stands before you, you offer blessing instead of cursing. You refuse to take revenge. You seek peace when others seek only war. And you treat the other person with dignity and respect, understanding that they too are the created of God. You conquer evil, not by becoming evil, but by doing good. By doing good. You don't have to fight fair. Satan just knew that he had won when Christ went to the cross. The life was going to be taken. Evil would win and darkness would rule the land. And it's true that on that day you can read about in Scripture, there was an eclipse. There was a time as the sun refused to shine when the salvation, the champion of God was suspended between heaven and earth. And it was at that time that all evil rejoiced and thought, finally, this is the end. Finally, we have been victorious. But Jesus didn't fight fair. Because he knew something. He knew something that evil did not know. That the light has shined in the darkness. And the darkness could not put it out. He knew that even though death was coming, that life would soon follow. And that even though darkness would, for just a brief period, cover the earth, that there would soon come a day when the light of God would shine forth, calling everyone to the throne of God. He didn't fight fair. And so I want to encourage you this week, as you are tempted to let anger overcome you, as you are tempted to let the giant rule your life, That instead you remember, remember the teachings of Scripture, and you remember the life of your Lord. The danger is that this world has blinded us to the way in which we are supposed to live. How many of you guys have some of those glasses you picked up today? Anybody still have those? Anybody got some of those? Now you don't want to admit that you picked one up, do you? I got a bad one. You know, you put those things on and... Man, it just darkens everything, doesn't it? Those of you that have had those already. You put them on and and you can't see a thing. And I'm afraid that's what's happening within our culture. That that our culture has become so darkened that now we cannot, we no longer see the light. And all that we think that we can do is fight evil with evil and answer anger with more anger. And while I would love for you to be able to use the glasses that you have to look at the sun tomorrow... I hope that you're willing to take off your cultural glasses so that you can truly see the Son of God as He's meant to be seen. Don't curse your giant. Instead, you pray for Him. And you bless Him. 
and you go down onto the battlefield with your champion and you fight good or evil with good. Let's pray about this together. Father, we thank you for the champion, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the life that he lived, for the example that he gave, and for the power that he still exerts in our life. And Father, we are angry every time. We're angry whenever there is someone or something that defies your creation, that defies your principles, that defies your very person. But Father, may we act in a way when we are angry that that still can bring honor and glory to you. May the words of Scripture be more than just phrases that we memorize, but may we truly live out in our life the teachings that we have seen today. May we slow down and listen. May we be slow to become angry. May we be individuals who pray for those who are our enemies, who long to do us harm, people who have hurt us. May we let go of the anger that has been so dominant in our lives. May we ask for blessings. May we not take revenge. May we be people who counter evil with with good. Father, we know that through your Spirit that we have the ability to do this. It is our prayer this morning that we would be people who are peacemakers. That we would be people who seek out not only ways to, to calm anger that is here now, but be able to set up safe places for us in the future so that anger would not boil over and violence would not come. May it begin with the people of God who are here in this place that we would live our lives in a way that shows that we follow the Prince of Peace. We thank you for the forgiveness that comes through Christ. We thank you for the forgiveness that comes for those times when our anger has hurt those around us. May you continue to forgive us, and may we continue to live different because our champion has defeated our giant. It's the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. If you need to respond this morning because of your anger, if you need to come to be baptized into Christ, just follow Caden. Let's celebrate together as we stand and sing.